Hi, I'm Tyler Boss, one of the narrators on the Abide app, a premium ad-free biblical meditation experience. Join the millions of people who download the Abide app to reduce stress, improve sleep, and experience the peace of God every day. You can text the word PEACE to 22433 for a seven-day free trial of Abide. Just text PEACE to 22433, and you'll likely hear from me again on the app as I guide you through daily meditations or help you fall asleep and experience the peace of God. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up Podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, is my partner in crime. You know him and love him as your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, the time has come in which Broncos country has had to bid adieu to Mr. Brandon Marshall. He has signed with the team, and it's probably the worst possible choice in terms of you know, his legacy in Denver. Right. Yeah, the uh, Oakland Raiders. It's weird to see him, Chad, in silver and black now. He posted a picture, and uh, he, he took a one-year prove-it deal for him. It was, I think it was $4.5 million. That's a good number for Brandon Marshall, yeah. who's coming off a couple injury-plagued seasons. And uh, that defense with the Raiders needs bodies badly. He has a chance to start there. And all I can say is to Rich Gangarello is run right at 54, whoever number he is. Get him on at space. Use Philip Lindsay. He still has his weaknesses, and the Broncos know that all too well. Uh, so it's interesting to see all these effects of this offseason, Chad. Two things about Brandon Marshall. One, the Broncos had a decision to make after Super Bowl 50. Do we pay Marshall or do we pay Danny Trevathan? And they chose the wrong guy. They mm-hmm. should have kept the guy who they drafted, the homegrown guy. Nothing against Marshall per se, except he just couldn't stay healthy, really. He had one solid year. Uh, post-Super Bowl 50 and then a couple years just plagued by injury. And even 2017, you know, he was injured the whole year. He he played mm-hmm. all 16 games, but he wasn't himself because he had that torn shoulder. So the Broncos, I think they missed the boat. They should have paid Danny Trevathan. And I understand, Zach, why they didn't. You know, he had that grievous knee injury that he had bounced back th- from, though. So that's what I don't get is he had bounced back. He had a great 2015 season, over 100 tackles. You know, Broncos defense goes all the way, wins the Super Bowl. I would have paid Trevathan. Instead, he follows Fox to Chicago, gets paid, et cetera, et cetera. And then the other thing is, if you're a fan of, you know, the Colin Kaepernick kneeling movement, you're probably bummed to see Brandon Marshall go. If (laughs) that really offended you, you're probably happy as a Broncos fan to see Brandon Marshall go. That's kind of been the vibe I'm seeing on Twitter. Yeah, I don't think a lot of Broncos fans are really sad to see him go. He's been kind of a detriment to the Broncos defense the last couple years. Though he played his college ball at Nevada, though, so it makes sense with the Raiders moving to Vegas. 
well, he'd want to be there. And also, he was a college teammate with Kaepernick, so those Vegas connections run deep for Marshall. It was honestly a good landing spot for him, but looking back, it's all hindsight, Chad. I mean, you could talk about signing Malik Jackson over Derek Wolf, let's say. I mean, these are moves that two, three years down the road, you could only make that call as to whether it was right or not. And they had two good inside linebackers. They, I agree with you. I think they paid the wrong one. Um, but hopefully Elway has learned from those things and put forward uh, he can make better you know, personnel decisions. I think Marshall's even from Vegas, if I'm That's not right. mistaken. I, I believe I, you're right. I could be wrong on that. but uh, So, yeah, he'll get to, if he can hang on and you know, with the Raiders long enough anyway, return to play pro ball in his native town. But uh, we got a lot to get to today. Um, we're going to go through and analyze a mock draft of yours truly. And a couple other things, but first we got to take care of a couple quick matters of business. You guys follow the show on Twitter, really easy to do. Open up the app, find at HuddleUpPod, click the follow button. Great way to support the show, great way to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. And then also, as you know, we're trying to get to 200 reviews on iTunes between now and the kickoff of the draft, which is April 25th. So, we're in the low 100s right now, and uh, you guys really kicked it into overdrive to help us get into the triple digits as we approach the combine. And both of us were, were of the opinion that if you guys take this seriously and heed our call to action, we can easily hit that 200 mark. So if you haven't done so, go over to iTunes, find the podcast, give us a creative review, five-star rating, and you have no idea how much that'll help the show, helps us grow, helps us contend and compete with the other podcasts in our realm. So if you're a fan of the show, you're a loyal listener, take some time. If you haven't done so, get that done. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The world is always on, but you shouldn't be. Put junk sleep to bed. During Mattress Firm's sleeping spree event, save up to 50% on ceiling. With queen mattresses starting at $349.99. Only at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. See store or mattressfirm.com for details. All right, so on Friday, I published one of what's going to be two mocks. I do, I'm going to do two mocks. I usually leave the mocking, or I should say for the most part, I leave the mock drafting up to my, my draft guys like Trickle and Nick Kendall and those guys. But every once in a while, I shouldn't say every once in a while, at least once a year, I like to do my own mock and and publish my own thoughts on the on the subject and this year I'm going to do two and the reason why is because I see the Broncos I mean there's obviously a lot of different directions the Broncos could go at pick 10 but I boiling it I'm boiling it down basically Zach to two different uh, main options and that is quarterback or non-quarterback at pick 10 you know then there's a bunch of other sub options that go into that but the first one I published on Friday was quarterback and now what I did 
is I didn't just go, okay, round one, here's a guy I would take. Round two, I used a simulator. And you guys can use one too. It's really fun exercise. The one I used for this particular mock is called Fanspeak. Fanspeak.com, you can go check that out. And what it does is it kind of injects a, 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 you know, an essence of realism, for example. So, you know, I can't just go, you know what, in my little fantasy world, you know, Kyler Murray was there at 10. So that's the Broncos pick. <clears throat> no, what the simulator does is it takes a real board and it takes real needs based on each team and it simulates through. And then all of a sudden you're on the clock. You have no control over what those teams ahead of you took, what players, what positions, etc. And so from that, once you go on the clock, just like teams do in real life scenarios, you're have, you know, you got to make hay with what what's available to you, basically. And so that's one of the cool things about the simulator is it kind of gives you a, a vibe of realism. You have to make decisions. Certain guys are off the board. The ones who were on the board, you have to analyze, you have to prioritize and make a decision. So with that said, <clears throat> the Broncos have eight selections in the 2019 draft. And the first one is obviously I, the, the first of two mocks. The first one I'm doing is with a quarterback. And Zach, the quarterback I took... No big surprise. Drew Locke at pick 10. But here's where it gets kind of interesting that I want to serve this over to you and get your take is Dwayne Haskins in the simulation was still on the board. So Kyler Murray had gone off the board to uh, the Raiders at number four in this simulation. So Dwayne Haskins was still there. Drew Locke was there. I picked Locke. And really the reason why I'm boiling it down is that I think if you, you know, if you were a team that needed your top 10 quarterback to come in and play right away, you're probably better off going with Dwayne Haskins. I think he's able to come in right away and make an impact. He's got a higher f- uh, floor. But Locke, I believe, has a higher ceiling. And with some the right coaching and, and time to kind of marinate in the pros, I think he can take a team a lot farther. He's got a lot more potential. That arm, I love his arm. So Drew Locke was the pick. But what are your thoughts on that so far? Uh, Chad, you and I mostly exactly agree on Drew Locke based, you know, as a player and as a prospect the Broncos should draft, especially over someone like Dwayne Haskins. The only thing with this pick is, though, I wonder which defenders were on the board still. Like Quinton Williams, Ed Oliver, Devin White. I don't know if you remember that or not, but that would be my only uh, debate going mm-hmm. the QB of the future potentially or someone, an instant impact defender like Quinton Williams or Devin White. Assuming they're off the board, though, this got to be – it has to be the pick. I mean, you have a guy who Elway is supposedly enamored with. You have a guy who checks all his boxes, all of Vic Fangio's boxes he revealed at the coach's breakfast this week. Um, you don't, you're not going to get this chance again next year more than likely. I agree with you. You've got to take the chance. you got to swing for the fences, even if you're passing up some premium defensive talent shot. For what it's worth, in this particular mock, and I didn't really keep track of who was, who was going ahead of me in this simulation except for the first round. And in this particular mock, Quinn and Williams was the first one off the board, number one to Arizona, followed by Nick mm. Bosa, number two. And by the time the Broncos went on the clock, both Ed Oliver and Devin White were off the board. So, But it wouldn't have mattered because in this mock, my whole intention was I wanted to get a quarterback at pick 10. And if, it, you know, if, it, if the simulation would have not made that available to me, if like the top three would have been gone in the top 10, I would have started it over because I wanted – in this simulation, I wanted it to be a quarterback. Now, simulation two, I'm just going to let the chips fall and take the best – defensive prospect at pick 10 when I right. when I do that mock here in a couple more weeks but but yeah so Locke was the pick and I think also the the thing that people need to remember about Drew Locke is he'll be a great fit for the scheme and the system that the Broncos are planning on running 
under Rich Scangarello. So he's just got the ops, the, the upside. The connection, the love affair, I think, too, with John Elway is real. It's just going to be a matter of, in real life, whether or not he's going to be there at pick 10, I think. Quinn Williams at one, though. That's yes. really, really interesting over Kyle Murray. So if that happened, I think the NFL NFL Twitter would collapse on itself. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm with you, though. I mean, the quarterback of the future, and I also am with you that I believe Elway's interest is genuine. Um, they're hosting him on a two-day visit next Sunday and Monday. That should include a steak dinner at Elway's. Um, that's interesting because they don't not bring in Haskins. They're not bringing in any other big quarterback for those type of visits. The, the interest is more than just homework, Chad, as Elway called it. It's actually genuine, I believe. So if he's on the board— you got to take them. So Drew Locke, my first pick, 10. Round two, things start getting a little less, you know, a little more, I should say, off the beaten path. So at pick, uh, or round two, pick 41, I took Rocky Asin, the cornerback from Temple. And basically, my reasoning there is that I'm hedging my bet. If I'm, you know, GM for a day for the Denver Broncos, I'm hedging my bet that you know, Chris Harris might not necessarily want to play ball with me in terms of a negotiation exactly the way I want, and I might not be willing to completely cave to, because, you know, Harris has said he's just like Wolf. He's taken a haircut in the past. This next time he wants to get paid. He wants to be recognized for his contributions to the team and his standing in the NFL. And just knowing what we know about Elway, he might pay him. Who knows? He might acquiesce and give Harris what he wants. But just in case that negotiation process, Zach, doesn't go complete. It's not completely copacetic. I hedge the bet by taking Rocky Asin. Now he comes in and he competes with Isaac Yadam for the number four corner spot. There's no real pressure on him out of the gates to step in and play a lot of football. He can marinate just like Drew Locke for a year or so and kind of fit, you know, get in where he fits in, so to speak. But this kid, he's, we, you know, we've talked a lot about Vic Fangio's comment regarding tackling being non-negotiable. This is a guy who that's not going to be a problem. Yeah, there's a large majority of you know draft analysts that believe Rocky Asin is right up there with the Byron Murphys and the DeAndre Bakers of the world, a potential first-round talent. In a sense, it reminds me of Cortland Sutton last year, who should have went in the first round, ended up going in the second round. I like the player. I love the fit. The Broncos tend to draft corners and, and from small schools, tend you know kind of high. Last couple of years, and went third-round draft picks there. I just don't know if I would go second round for a corner after signing two in free agency, even if Kareem Jackson's playing safety. I'd probably go tight end here, uh, give Drew Locke another weapon, or maybe address uh, the, uh, the safety or defensive line. I love the player. Um, if you can get him in 41, it'd be a great value. I just think corner's a little too early uh, for my preference. Now, I'll share some of my own self-criticisms of this draft when we're done talking about it. I'll save that for the end. But suffice to say with regard to taking a corner in the second round, I understand anyone's criticism in regards to need, right? It's not a need position at this time because the Broncos just filled some 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 holes. But as was reinforced to me reading some books this past year in uh, on football and front offices, a lot of times what fans miss out on is the idea that your pre these picks oftentimes, they don't seem to be, when you're looking at need and roster needs and the way it looks right now, they sometimes don't make a lot of sense, and then the next year rolls around, people hit contract years, free agents leave, and you realize that teams are are preempting some of those potential losses with the previous year's draft class. And so that's more about what the value was there, because I, I agree that he's kind of a fringe first-rounder, and I saw him at 41, and I, I just wanted to take him. So that's, right. that's kind of my, my logic in terms of the value at that point, also looking ahead a little. 
I don't blame you. And also, you have to hedge your bets for the long term because Chris Harris Jr. is getting older. Um, he he will fall off eventually, and they have to have his successor in place because Yadam is still unproven and coming off shoulder surgery. So if Vic Fangio pounds the table, I'm sure Elway would listen. And like you said, Chad, you're getting great value at 41 here. Now, round three, I couldn't believe it. Because, again, these simulations, they're not perfect, but their their whole point of them is you're using a, a real analyst big board and you're basing it on real team needs. I couldn't believe that Eric McCoy, the center from Texas A&M, was still available when the Broncos went on the clock at pick 71, so I took him. And the main rationale there was that, you know, Con- Connor McGovern was better, in my opinion, as a right guard early in the season than he was as a center down yes. the stretch. And so... Let's put him back where he showed out the most and the best, even notwithstanding that temporary benching he took when BJ was looking for a scapegoat. (laughs) He looked better. He was more natural, more comfortable, I think, as a right guard. Get this guy in in uh, Eric McCoy. You got a true center, and you've officially laid out your starting five. You got Bowles. You got Leary, assuming he comes back into form within you know the the, a relative. You know, time frame, and if not, you got Sam Jones to step in at left guard. Then you got Eric McCoy, Connor McGovern, and of course Jawan James. A hundred percent with you, Chad. I, I love the logic behind it. I'd rather leave McGovern at guard and and have a center for Mike Munchak to groom the best in the business. This would be tremendous value. I mean, this guy I think will go on on day two in the second round, Chad um, McCoy. But yeah, I'm with you. Great pick, solidifies that O line, and it really turns the Broncos O line after Jawan James. And even though with Paradis walking away. I think it becomes an upgrade for them. And with Mike Munchak, the sky's the limit, plugging in McCoy there, a plug-and-play starter from day one. Garrett uh, Bradbury's probably a, a better overall scheme fit for the Broncos than Eric McCoy. But by this point, Garrett uh, Bradbury was long off the board. And I still, like you said, I saw Eric McCoy as an as a early day two value, so I pounced there. Yep. So we move on to round four, pick 125. I took the safety Amani Hooker from Iowa He's just under six feet tall. He's 210 pounds, but he plays a lot longer than he actually is. He's very physical. He's comfortable dropping down into the box and playing that dimebacker role. And this is another one of those scenarios where, as the you know GM for a day, Zach, I'm kind of hedging against the future because even in the moment, it doesn't appear as if the Broncos have a huge need at safety because you got Simmons and Parks projecting anyway as the starting safety duo with Kareem Jackson, you know, moving over a little bit in sub packages. And then you got Jamal Carter, DeMonte Thomas. You got some depth there, but at the end of this season, both Simmons and Parks are going to be unrestricted free agents. So mm-hmm. taking Hooker, who's a talent, I see him more as a round three talent there at 124, is just another hedge against the future and gives me depth and options in terms of negotiating next year. Yeah, I, I like the player, and I, I like the pick. I wasn't crazy about it, but you bring up a good point with the, the free agent status next year. You always have to think ahead and plan ahead. And I would prefer Kareem Jackson not play safety so much, rather him play corner. So adding another body in there I think would bode well for Vic Fangio with, with depth and personnel. I agree with you. I think uh, Will Parks is in line to start, but it's always good to have that backup grooming in place. So I do like the pick, Chad. I agree with you. I, I would not cry if it was Hooker in the fourth round. Now, round five, I actually took a tight end. This was, I thought, pretty solid value. Cahill Waring from San Diego State. But here's what's interesting. We're recording this podcast on Sunday evening for your listening pleasure on Monday. Well, it was released or reported, I should say, on late Saturday that the Denver Broncos, of course, were at the Ole Miss Pro Day where they showed a strong interest in their tight end, 
uh, Dawson Knox. And when I made this pick on Friday evening, Knox was on the board. So if I could go back in time, I'd maybe have taken Dawson Knox with this pick in round five. But nevertheless, the pick was Cahill Waring from San Diego State. And he's a guy that, you know, six foot five, 252, great size, prototypical tight end, around a 467 at the combine. And, you know, he's not just like most tight ends entering the NFL. He doesn't have his blocking technique completely down, but he's got the want to and the size to get there. So you give him some pro coaching, you let him marinate and develop a little bit. He can be a wide tight end who can line up in line or be split out. So that was my pick there. I think at some point the Broncos need to hedge their bet for now, not just the future, but now considering that what was it I reported uh, when I did the – it was 30 – 30 or let's see, 34 games, I think it was. Denver's three current tight ends they have on the roster missed in 2018. Mm. Yeah, the, another player the Broncos like is Josh Oliver, another tight end. And in this spot would be a good spot to grab him if he's available. But when I wrote up Warring, the interest the Broncos have in him, I came away very, very impressed. This was a guy that I want the Broncos to target in the mid-round, and I think round five is the perfect spot for him here. He needs a little seasoning. He's not ready to start right away, but he's the perfect project behind a, a veteran in Jeff Hireman. You also have a couple guys in Fumagalli and Butt who you, know, you can still squeeze some juice out of. And then, if anything else, you have Waring, who is a great pass catcher. He can use some run-blocking um, upgrades and, and coaching and personnel there. Uh, I like him a lot, though. I like this pick a lot, Chad. I like where your head is, uh, giving Drew Locke as many weapons as possible. Okay, we've got five picks down. we got three more to go. We're going to break it down and uh, get Zach's thoughts on these selections I made in this mock draft. But first, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, so the Denver Broncos have two fifth-round picks this year, and the second pick I thought was phenomenal value, and that is the wide receiver from Missouri, Emmanuel Hall. Now let us not forget, in round one, I took Drew Locke. So it made perfect sense with Hall there, even if I hadn't have taken Locke in round one. Emmanuel Hall being available in round five to me was phenomenal value, so I pulled the trigger, and this is a guy who runs a – you know, sub four four forty, and the Broncos even right out of the gates. We know that Joe Flacco and the Broncos they're looking for a burner for the outside, someone who can stretch the field and test defenses vertically. In theory, and in a perfect world, Emmanuel Sanders can do that. But there's just no guarantee what form or what version of Sanders the Broncos are going to get back in 2019 as he recovers from that Achilles on the wrong side of 30. So I brought in Hall who presents a lot more too than just vertical speed he's six foot one he's 201 he's a guy that made a lot of plays for drew lock in college and so even though ostensibly it's not a huge need position zach just the value of the player there teaming him up with his his college quarterback as well i just pulled the trigger this reminds me in fantasy football of getting a quarterback and then double dipping with his receiver for double points. I love this move so much, Chad. Uh, the fifth round is great value for him. And if anything, his deep speed will serve the Broncos well. Even if Emmanuel Sanders returns this year, I believe it's his last year with the Broncos anyway. They need to groom a successor. They don't have any burners on the roster. So they have possession receivers. This is the perfect guy for that role, Chad. Instant chemistry with Drew Locke, obviously. An instant weapon for Joe Flacco. This is one of your picks I love the most. Someone needs to let his parents know, though, there's two M's in a manual traditionally, right? <laughs> yeah. Just like Sanders. Yeah. This particular manual, 
and I believe he's named after his father who passed late last season while he was uh, in the middle of the football season, unfortunately. I believe Emmanuel Hall was named after his father based on what I learned from Nick Kendall's report when he traveled to Mizzou to uh, cover that pro day. But yeah, Emmanuel Hall, phenomenal young player, a little bit of concern there with that injury. But, uh, you know, again, stepping into a depth chart where there's there's options there. The Broncos don't need to push him. They can let him take his time recovering completely and then unleash him on the outside for Joe Flacco. Now, getting into round six and round seven, this is traditionally where you take a flyer pick. But if you think back to John Elway's resume, and by the way, Bob Morris is doing a phenomenal job comparing Elway, grading Elway's picks and then comparing him to other prolific GMs around the league. He already Uh, did a comparison between Elway and Belichick dating back to 2011. You might be surprised by the results. Go find that article and check it out. But Elway, one of the ways he's distinguished himself is he's missed on some round one, round two, and round three picks. We all know that. But where he's really been able to hang his hat is hitting on picks through rounds four through seven. He's done a great job. I mean, when you're getting Danny Trevathan in the sixth, you're getting Malik Jackson, I believe it was in the fifth, you're getting Matt Paradis in the sixth round. So traditionally, round six and seven well, not so much seven, but round six, round five, round six, those are picks that Elway has hit on. So I felt a little pressure here to make sure I got some good players, and I was surprised, well, not too surprised, but Bobby Okariki, the off-ball linebacker from Stanford, was there in round six at pick 182, and he's a guy I was really bummed that you didn't get a chance to to talk to at the Combine, Zach, because you had to jump on your plane, but he was a very bright, very sharp um, kid to talk to in person, economics, he's he's a business major, smart dude, Stanford, right? Big brain, all right. that. From a football perspective, high IQ, sideline to sideline speed. So you're looking for a player who can turn around and run with tight ends and, you know, play coverage. He's a guy who might be a little rough around the edges, but he can get there with some coaching. And you put him in with Vic Fangio where linebackers are his specialty. And I could see this being a Danny Trevathan-like impact, not right away. But just like Trevathan needed a year or two to marinate before he hit his stride, Okariki, you might not be able to get that impact right away in 2019, but maybe by the end of the season or into 2020, it starts paying dividends. Yeah, I, I like the pick, Chad. And the Broncos definitely have the coaching with Vic Fangio and Reggie Herring. They had Brandon Staley, the outside linebackers coach. That's the only thing I can really argue, though, is that I think the Broncos need edge help more than inside linebacker help. And I think in real life, they will take an inside linebacker before round six. Other than that, though, if they do wait this long, uh, Bobby is a guy I, I like. I don't want to butcher his last name, but I do. This yeah. is a guy I do like uh, as a late round prospect and a guy. You know, they have to have competition there. They really have no one else behind Jewel and uh, Todd Davis, so you got to bulk up that position. And this is a guy I would like. I just think edge help in this round would be a little more of importance. We get into round seven, and I was torn because there was another off-ball linebacker there that I absolutely loved. And his name is Blake Cashman, who the Broncos from Minnesota, who the Broncos have shown an interest in. He would be a lot higher on everybody's board if he didn't have such grievous injury history. And I think right now, if I recall right, he's recovering from a shoulder issue, which has got teams quite concerned with him. And I don't think his medicals at the Combine really went by as swimmingly as his his uh, representation probably hoped. But nevertheless, he's the type of player where you know, round seven flyer, I was really tempted to take him and just pair him up with Okariki as, look, here's a possibly your new duo, you know, two years from now and let him compete with Jewel and see what happens. But I ended up going with Penny Hart. I doubled up on wide receivers. And we've talked about Penny Hart on the show before. But 
you know, he's a, he's a burner, so he can offer you that vertical package we talked about earlier with Emmanuel Hall. But what Penny uh, Hart also offers is, just like his surname would lead you to believe, Big Hart. This is a guy that's unafraid of blocking. And even though he's not that big, he's only five foot eight. he's the type of guy that you can bring in, let him push the bottom of the wide receiver depth chart, offer you a punt and kick returner type of value as well for special teams, which the Broncos don't really have right now on the surface, unless you were going to use someone like Philip Lindsay, which you absolutely don't want to risk. So I pulled the trigger on Penny Hart. And as much as I love this pick, Zach, of all my selections in this mock, this is probably the one I second guess the most, just because I'm doubling up on a wide receiver position that I don't really need to because of my depth already there, even before Emmanuel Hall with, with Cortland Sutton, Deshaun Hamilton, Tim Patrick. So I, I second guess that I probably should have gone with Cashman, but what do you think of the pick, Penny Hart? Yeah, I, I feel like I'd rather take Cashman and, and the Broncos. They wasted a seventh rounder last year on David Williams. They didn't need to. It'd be a luxury pick, you know, after drafting uh, Royce Freeman. I, I would have gone a defensive lineman here or inside linebacker like you mentioned. I like Hart a lot, and you can never have too many speedsters, but five out of the eight picks were offensive players, and you have to kind of uh, supplement the defense a little more. I would have went, uh, like you mentioned, Cashman, outside linebacker, defensive line, just something to round off the draft with some defensive help. That brings up a good point. So, and I and I closed out the mock with with some analysis and my own criticism of the mock, looking back on it retrospectively, and that is I didn't add any offensive tackle help, and I didn't add any D line. So I kind of qualified that by saying, look, I think the Broncos can could get by in 2019 without adding to the defensive line through the draft because you still have Derek Wolf, Shelby Harris, and Adam Gotsis, but all three of them are technically entering a contract year. So going against that philosophy where you're preempting future situations, you know, that's an issue. And this is a strong defensive line class. So do you really want to be that team that doesn't come out of this class with at least one of these defensive linemen? But here's the reason why I didn't take one. I had my targets. I had a list of defensive line guys and kind of a a value of where I wanted to take them. And every time that round came or came along, the guys I had at the value, unless I was going to reach, they had gone like just a few picks before. And so each time I ended up going elsewhere and it was one of those things, by the time it was all said and done, I'm looking back on it, regretting that, you know what, maybe for example, uh, Emmanuel Hall, maybe I don't take him at pick five and I, and I reach a little bit, on a, de- on a defensive lineman like, you know, um, from UCF, like Tristan Hill. Maybe I should have reached on him a little bit and taken him in round five. But there was a few guys like Rennell Wren, Zach, that I had eyes on and a few different guys. But that's my biggest criticism. No offensive tackle because the Broncos need a swing guy, which they don't really have right now, and no defensive line. Chad, I think you should take solace in the fact that Elway kills every year. He kills the eighth round of the draft, and that's the undrafted free agent period. So I have no doubt if a defensive lineman from this top-heavy class slips with Bill Kolar and the coaching staff, I'm sure they'll get their guy. But I honestly like this draft a lot, Chad. I think you filled a lot of immediate you know, immediate needs. You have day-one contributors, but you also set up the Broncos for long-term success and long-term sustainability. And that's what Elway, I think, is striving for and needing to evolve and needing to adapt and with the contracts coming up. And getting the quarterback of the future in round one, their guy, is huge. And then helping him with tight ends and receivers and helping out the defense, I like this mock a lot. And I think it it moves the Broncos' needle from seven wins, I think, to a borderline playoff team, nine wins or so. Well, I appreciate that 
my dude. And that brings up another point that came out over the weekend. Vegas released early odds for, you know, the over-under on win totals for the Broncos in 2019 at seven. What did you think of that? Do you think that's fair? It's still one more than last year and would still be an improvement. And I think by virtue of the coaching upgrades, Chad, with Vic Fangio, that's an instant upgrade right there. Better quarterback, better defense. I think seven is a little um, underselling them, but we know the Broncos. They thrive on being the underdog. I have no doubt about it. This will be bulletin board material in Dove Valley. Maybe we should cook up a podcast where you and I go through a sim- a real simulation in real time on the episode, and we have to like come to a consensus together. Oh, let's well, do it. You know, maybe we do that, and that's our preparation for the roundtable mock, the war room mock we do with Nick and Carl and Eric right before the draft, like we did last year and the year before that, too. So that'll hone you and I skills so we're we're a little bit more on point by the time we do the war room we can come in freaking elbow these dudes and say look here's who we're taking let's do it i'm sure broncos country would love that <laughs> and we could do it in a way we you know we might maybe budget it for one of the evenings we record in which we have a little bit more time or we can kind of let our hair down and analyze this and debate each pick and you know give ourselves a little clock where we only have five minutes to to decide and just munch through it. I think it'd be fun. I think listeners would have a good time with that too. Yeah, for sure. We should throw down. Let's get on uh, Nick and Carl. Let's get them on their toes, Chad. That's right. Well, uh, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. And we'll be back tomorrow, Tuesday, to drop some more knowledge. The Broncos are, of course, kicking off their their uh, off-season training program this week. And it starts on Tuesday, April 2nd. Isn't that right? They're starting Tuesday, not Monday. Yeah. Okay. They, they, have, uh, they could have started the first. Right. So... We, uh, we'll see what happens from that. It's all voluntary for the players, but really what that means, even you know, notwithstanding the CBA, is you better, your ass better be there. You know? Even though it's yeah. voluntary, you better be there. Coach Fangio is going to notice type deal. So I expect almost everybody to be there. And so you know, there will be some buzz and some storylines and some quotes and some you know, – it will feel a little bit like football's back at Dove Valley's at. Yeah, it, phase one of OTAs is just strictly workouts and strength and conditioning, so it's a lot of Lauren Landau. But everyone's back in the building. Everyone's back in Dove Valley. Like you mentioned, Chad, it's almost football season right around the corner. The draft is almost here. And uh, with Vic Fangio, you made a good point. It's important that all the players are on the same page. It's important the Broncos have perfect attendance or near-perfect attendance because they have to get this error off on the right foot. Well, that'll do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. You guys, make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at Huddle Up Pod. You can find my partner, Zach Kelberman, at Kelberman247, myself, at Chad and Jensen. As always, make sure you are leaving a creative review and rating the show. Give us that five-star rating on iTunes. Big help for the show. Great way to support us. Do your duty. Help us out on that. In the meantime, we'll be back tomorrow with another fresh episode For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.